This is Coda Radio, episode 225 for October 3rd, 2016. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This show is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and join us live over at JBLive.tv is our host, the powerful and perched Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike! Lisa here again? Oh, jeez. Jeez, no, that is like some sort of awful Donald Trump microphone audio right now. What is going on over there? Oh, Lisa probably not coming through the, the microphone correctly. <laughs> Jesus, worst intro in history. <laughs> no, no, Lisa coming through the Yeti. I don't know what your problem are, is. Are you like cupping, are you, are you cupping and shouting into the microphone right is, now? Is Lisa too close? <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Lisa maybe put my trousers back on. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be good. And get Mike back in there, too, because, geez. Hello, Mr. Dominic. Are you there? Hello, Mr. Fisher. Jar Jar keeps coming in drunk and taking my microphone. Yeah, it happens here in the studio, too. It, it really, you know, it's been, a, it's been a busy, busy weekend here at the JB1 Studios. How are you doing? I'm awesome, Chris. I had an amazing week last week. You, you did. You did. An amazing yes. week. See, I think uh, I remember we t- I talked to you on Monday, and then we talked later that night for the debates. Yes. That feels, doesn't that feel like that was like weeks ago now? It feels like it was some sort of horrific nightmare that couldn't be true. Then I woke up and read the journal and the Times and cried myself to sleep for the remainder of that following day. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's turned things around for you? Well, I had a conference I was going to go to, as you recall, the uh, Release Notes conference. Oh, yeah, the one you paid and big I, bucks for. And I did not get on that jet plane. Really? You, cha- you had a last-minute change of heart. Last minute change of heart, yes. You know, and I, that is is our secret topic for the day. Now, I think this is this is a great freaking topic because I'll tell you what, Mike. There have been times where at the last minute I decide I don't want to do it, and it sort of sucks. But it's like the decision I have to make. And then there are right. times where I decide, you know what? I've committed. I'm going to power through this thing, and then I get there and I regret it so much. Yeah. Well, I thought it was going to be one of those situations. Yeah, and I just uh, I just got back from a conference myself. I went to a conference last week as well. So oh, this, I, I think this is a great topic for today's show. This so is a great topic today. What 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 uh, what happened? Tell me about it. Give uh, give Chris so, a picture here. Paint it for me. So okay, so it was like the perfect storm. As you know, I now have a five month old in my house. Yeah. yeah, who's just about crawling. He's he's almost there. Uh, oh a man, more you know, he I'm, will be. You know, it's funny. Especially, I remember when I was a first-time parent, I was so excited about crawling. I really wanted them to be mobile. Man, would I, boy, would I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I will regret it. My house oh, man, at that age, yeah. too, because now they can put everything in their mouth. They're mobile, and oh, it all goes in the mouth. In fact, he damaged an iPhone to success by uh, <laughs> drooling on it so hardcore that it had to be replaced by, uh, thank God, Apple Care. Yeah, pretty bad. So, you know... It, it was literally the eve of the conference, and I have been uh, doing what we call in the office ponying about the conference for about a week, saying, which is basically a nice way to say bitching about it. Oh, I do that sometimes too, yeah. Yeah, 
saying, you know what? I don't want, you know, I don't know there's why. There's so much, but, and here's, here's how I usually go. Man, just now, now that I've cleared my schedule and there's this huge block of time, there's so much more Sweet. I could be doing with it that feels like it'd be more valuable for myself and the business. Did it kind of go like that? Went exactly like that. With, with, with an extra couple things of uh, spice, the conference sessions got released about what they were going to be talking about. And, in, you know, I should have known this because I do listen to the people who host the podcast that also host the conference. And I should have known that it was going to be like, you know, an indie focused, desperately trying to make money on the app store sort of thing. So I'm like, there's no one who's going to pay our rates to develop an app for them here. <laughs> mm. You know, we don't don't want to talk to other developers, right? Like, it really. You don't, want the, uh, you don't want to go to a conference for the echo chamber effect. Well, not even the echo chamber. It's like, you know, I can't sell you consulting services if you're making $100 a month on your app, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. And so a lot of the sessions. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't go to a, I wouldn't, I would, you know. So, Mike, I, I would say I, I, made, I made a mistake probably seven years ago. So I can't remember. It was I can't remember. I can't remember how long ago it was, but it's just a little while. Uh, maybe it was five years ago. It's just a little while after the Linux Action Show started taking sponsorships, and I got in my idea that well, if I'm going to do sponsorships, I'm going to do them differently. I'm going to do them better than everybody else does them, and I'm going to go meet these people in person. I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to tell them about what we do, and I'm going to meet them. And so I decided, well, <clears throat> this year, this is the year that the Linux Action Show goes to Linux Fest Northwest, and I shake some hands. And, you know, in my mind, there's people like Penguin Computing there and all the companies that are in Linux there. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to go to this conference. I'm going to shake some hands. I'm going to walk away with some potential advertisers, and that's going to be great. It's going to grow the show. It's going to grow our revenue, and I'll know these people They'll likely be locals because it's a local Linux event. This is going to be a total win-win. And I got there, and the best I got, the best I got was an exchange of business cards and a couple of emails here and there afterwards. But the conference, the conference, the conference thing is not, it's not good for direct sales. It's good for, for, It's it's good for bumping a relationship that you have in email. Like there's people I see only at conferences that I talk to email all year around, and it's great to bump that relationship. Go have lunch with somebody while you're there. Um, the conferences are great for somebody putting a name to a face if they already know about you or or something like that. But for sales, it is ooh man, it is uh, it's rough. Well, and and I and I think there's a couple things here, right? Like, and this is probably a bigger topic for multiple shows, but I you know I've been struggling a lot with the. Ah, gee, this whole idea of like inbound sales and outbound sales, and I'm I'm actually a pretty traditional conservative. That doesn't mean Donald Trump kind of guy. Where you know, to me, sales is buying someone a martini in New York or in New Jersey somewhere and selling yeah, them something. Yeah, you're, you're right? what like my family calls a Mitt Romney conservative. Is that I'm a Mitt Romney conservative, <laughs> except, on, except I only have one wife because I can't imagine <laughs> the horror, the absolute suffering of having more than one. I mean, yeah, well, that is oh, gee, shit, you're recording this. Um, <laughs> Edge is probably listening. So, you know, the idea of some sort of magical conference where I'm going to go to and, you know, even, I don't know, do we want to get into it? Should we just do it? Should we just go for it? Yeah, yeah. I know I know you had stuff in the I got a lot of stuff, but man, I can talk about that somewhere else. Let's, we, uh, All right, we'll do it somewhere else then. Okay. You know, I've been for about six months now uh, exploring all these 
outbound sales, inbound sales. Yeah, I've, yeah, we've been talking about it a little bit. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about it a little bit. I've been alluding to it. I've been running kind of promos on the show, things like that. Yep, and you've uh, you've uh, experimented a little bit with backing an open source project. We just talked about that really recently. Right, backing Vapor. Right, we're a sponsor of Vapor, and I got to be honest, anything that's come in would have come in anyway, without you know a seventy percent discount. Which I think is really interesting. I, I, you know, I feel like a lot of these. You think uh, even even on the show? Well, it's interesting because the stuff on the show almost don't need the discount because they come in, we do the discount thing, and they just come in anyway. Yeah, that's more of a situation where the they were going to come in anyways, kind of a thing. They were going to come in anyway, and it just gave them an excuse to tell their manager, "Hey, it's only a thousand dollars or whatever." So, going, can we just can we can we focus on vapor for a second? It seems like there it might be the execution. Like, what if vapor if vapor were to have a you know. A logo on the website or something like that would it be di- and that might and of course might cost more, but would that be different? Because well, when I every now work. and then when I see a project that says sponsored by DigitalOcean, like it's usually pretty prominent. Well, right now we're one of only two corporate sponsors of Vapor. First right. of all, right, sure, yeah, and it's different for uh, projects that are establishing a brand and things like that, right. where they have a very heavy visual component to their product. I understand now, that. I, I would even say to Vapor, you know, we haven't. I don't think they have a problem at all. I, we haven't changed our marketing or our sales tactics to really pitch Vapor at all. Um, Vapor is something we're doing internally, and we're not really trying to sell it to customers. Here's where I think of Vapor – okay, but here's where I'm going with yeah. this is the reason why I wouldn't be surprised that it doesn't bring you any additional referrals or interest is because there's no – for people that just become sort of all of a sudden aware of the Vapor project, there's, there's no way to know it's associated with Buccaneer. And so uh, my, my off-the-head idea I had was, imagine if the sponsorship actually went something like this. Uh, here is a little bit of cash to do a Vapor podcast, and the Vapor pro- right. podcast is brought to you by Buccaneer. That would oh, be- I, Sounds like you want to make a deal. <laughs> no, actually, I wasn't even thinking about it. In the inter- uh, but that – so uh, one of the things I go to for this kind of stuff is I look at really early radio and television to try to compare where it was at, where podcast is at right now. And back in this stage of television's development and radio, shows had singular sponsors. Uh, my favorite example is The Adventures right. of Superman, which is a fun 1950s Superman yes. show by Chris, yes. played by Christopher Reeves. Yeah. It was sponsored for its entire run by a single cereal cereal company. I'm trying to cereal, cereal, like the kind you eat, not the kind I'm trying to pronounce. And the entire run of it was one sponsor because that was, you know, and they had a bunch of like uh, uh, crossover commercials where or or events in person where Christopher Reeves would show up in costume. Uh, But they were just trying to sell cereal to kids. (laughs) And they, the the reason I point that out is. They made an entire brand and business off doing that. And it was simply that product, The Adventures of Superman, would not have existed without that sponsor. And so it was it was a way for people that were passionate so, about a subject to watch. Sure. sure. But this is happening, right? I mean, ThoughtBot has like George Reeves. Podcasts, thank you, George Reeves. Right. Dockyard has a podcast, to my knowledge. I know I listened to the ThoughtBot once. I, I, I thought Dockyard has one. Maybe they do or don't anymore. But does Vape? Uh, we you know my point. You get my – yeah. Well, but but this, that's what I'm going to challenge you. You know, for consulting shops, the entities themselves are putting on the podcast, right? Like internally, you know, total honesty, uh, about a month ago, we were talking about producing our own, you know, Buccaneer Tech podcast or Buccaneer Hour, whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Mm-hmm. The and Buccaneer it Hour. I like that. <laughs> it just didn't happen because cutting It takes a lot of work, yeah. It takes a lot of work and it's a long-term investment. And I, I'm really not a big fan of long-term investments. I, I like – 
Yeah, that's part of the reasons I like direct sales, right? Mm -hmm. It's not magical. Mm -hmm. I go to a conference. I spend X dollars. I close any, you know, any sale greater than zero. There, that is an ROI. Now, initially, the ROI might be negative, and it may take six months to a year for that uh, relationship to pay off. But you know, there's something I can put into an equation and kind of get data back on it. And this may oh, be that hold I'm on, hold on, not to interrupt you, but Shadow Seven is about to lose his ass because he says the mic's making a bunch of noise, and I have heard it. There might be like some the the cord Ooh. or sorry, am not, I too? Hang, hang on, let me no, you're something. good. The range is good, but I think it's like maybe. No, no, I know exactly what it is. I know exactly what it is. Shadow, did Mr. Dominic is on it. Don't don't lose your I, S. I, I have moved the cord. Let's it's see. negative that, in the freedom yeah, it's good. dimension. Is that good? Now listen, I just want to say there was something wrong with my mic. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, hey, it turns out there was actually something wrong with his mic. Yeah. Poor bastard. He was actually right and they just hammered him for it. <laughs> okay, so back on track though. Uh, yeah, back on track. I like I like this I, I like where you're going with this. Like you were looking at doing a podcast because it's great branding, it gets awareness about what you do. People right. people honestly, one of the ways people and, and, and probably sure, would the plan, the plan was to call you and try to make a deal, right? To say, listen, you know, do some sort of deal where you guys put it in your, you know, whatever. But the problem is the production costs and the idea of having someone on staff to do that. Like all the crap that Rikai does was unbelievably sure. expensive. That I think, to, <clears throat> I think right. that's probably where a podcast network still remains sort of relevant is right. that right. infrastructure. But it is getting within – I'm experimenting with tools for user error that bring it within the range of somebody that has five to six hours free a week, which is still pretty expensive. But it's getting within that range. If you have five to six yes. hours a week, you could sole produce a see, podcast. Then, see, that's so funny. You say five to six hours. The numbers I came up with like 10 hours to do true production, yeah. although we want to do video as well. No, well, okay. Now, no, well, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm doing up, it. Was a, it was a halftime job. So someone was going to have yeah. to be on payroll yeah. to do it. Yeah. See, with, yeah. A, with video, um, my compromise there is if you, like, you look at the user air show, I've done a – there's a video component, but <clears throat> podcasting has recently I, – I, uh, audio podcasting is, is, is growing faster than video podcasting still in, 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 all, in all fairness. It really – video podcasting is sort of – there is only so much appetite for really long-form content. And then the mo most people – most people want audio content if they're going to listen for a long time because it allows them to multitask. They can do the dishes. They can drive. They can sit at yeah, their desk. I mean, I am like that. I want audio. I, I hate video podcasts, actually. Yeah, that's how everybody like, – a lot of people feel that way. The people well, who – yeah. You know how many posts we've written on Buccaneer.io, like you know, getting started with Ionic or Ionic Lists, who's 101 in particular, where we've gotten emails and, hey, uh, kind of starting out. I know you guys are a consulting shop. I'm just wondering, is there a video to go along with this? Yeah, here's why. Post? Yep. And this, so this, yep. this is why – this is the number one reason why all JB shows have a video component, even shows like Coda Radio that are primarily audio. Uh, right. Because when you are in full-on research mode, when you're researching a topic, right. YouTube and platforms like YouTube – in fact, actual statistic here, YouTube is the number two search engine. Not Bing. It's YouTube. It really? Yeah, it's YouTube. And people, because people are looking stuff up on YouTube. A lot of people tell me, "Hey, I found Jupiter Broadcasting on YouTube. I watched on. I've watched some of your shows. I did a little binge watching on YouTube, and then I switched over to the main website and subscribed to the RSS feeds. And so really? that's video is super important for discovery. It's super important for sharing. And for people who are cord cutters like me, I watch the majority of my content yeah. on YouTube. So shows being on YouTube is very important to somebody like me. But if you look statistically at our downloads and if you look at the growth for shows like Jupiter Broadcasting and other networks, audio continues to remain to be dominant. It's huge. 
So it's funny you should mention cord cutting. One, I was a cord cutter, and then I I uh, mended the cord, so to speak. Two, I have just discovered on YouTube, and I know I'm living in 2008 here, uh, like independent musicians doing covers of pop yeah. songs. Yeah. Uh, I will name one because hopefully she'll get some more hits. Uh, Tiffany Alvord, who does like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. Yeah, send your hate mail to Alan at Jupiter Broadcasting. By you the way, you know that would uh, that would be a much better use. I. Uh, if I if you wanted to, if you simply wanted to generate okay so I here's how a little bit how I why, how why I not, my point is why not sponsor non technical content well I I think if you guys did video content like bursts of video stuff that people are people who are trying to research some of this stuff and learn about it and oh my god this is so obvious I I can't even believe we I can't even believe we're even saying this out loud it's one of these ideas that's so obvious to me it's it's going to sound dumb once I say it. You should be producing videos about the things that you are the other services. Like if, if it's Ionic, great. Do a video, something about Ionic specific, about three to five minutes long, so it doesn't take a lot of work. But also, people that are researching, the number one thing they're looking for is quick information. They don't want right. to watch it. The problem with yesterday's Linux Action Show is it was an hour and thirty-five minutes long. If you want to know yeah, about, show is super long. yeah, if true. you want to know about yeah. software-defined networking, do you want to watch an hour and thirty-five-minute long video or do you want to watch a five-minute video? If you just want the answer, you're going to watch the five-minute video. When you're con- trying to consume everything about a subject, you'll watch the hour-long video. I really think if you're just looking for referrals and pickup and information, if you want to look like an authority on a topic, you publish well-produced videos a certain length of time. Don't go over 10 minutes okay. on a topic. Then say for more information for consulting, refer back to your website, give them your name, right. that go, kind of stuff. That I think would be a way better use of your time than so, podcasts. So let, me, let me challenge you though, right? Because you know I have – and I've actually been talking over the last few weeks to a ton of marketing consultants and SEO consultants and you know, they all go by different names, SEO, marketing, social, blah, 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 whatever. Hey, they all do the same job, right? I mean it's like mm-hmm. developer versus engineer mm-hmm. versus pro. We all do the same goddamn thing. Uh, <laughs> I've showed them my Google Analytics on Buccaneer.io and DominicM.com, and frankly, they said, I don't understand why you would ever want to hire me. All of them. Like, don't you think that there is um, – I don't know how to say this, so I'll say it bluntly. You know, for me, the best type of sales are the traditional outbound, uh, you know, call me Don Draper, 1960s-style Go to a bar in New York where it's totally acceptable to drink at you know eleven thirty in the morning, and have a couple drinks with some IT manager. Like that is the most effective channel every single time. But right, that shares, every single time without fail. But there's like, a, yeah, but there's a huge caveat, and that is that shit don't scale, bro. Like no, it doesn't scale, right? So so right, I can't hire salespeople. Every time I've hired a salesperson, they've effectively uh, not performed well. You have to have a you have to have. When you do that kind of sale, you have to you have to know your prey. You have to understand your prey's habits, and you have to understand the pain points that they are willing to spend a lot of money to resolve. The stuff that is fundamentally functional to their business that you could make better, and that's that that those are really kind of research intensive. But how do you scale that? I mean, that, see, see, this is the thing. Everybody, you know, you, you, you were talking about. You can't. You can't. That's what I'm well, saying. That's right, why those kinds of salespeople, and I was one of them, make a lot of money when they do that. I'm effectively a, a dev and an enterprise sales guy. Yeah, right? I was I'm, a dev and, and the IT guy. And uh, I mean, I was, I was the sales guy and the IT guy. So when, and really it was, you know, it was, it was, there was a point 
where it was my point of personal pride that I seemed to have this sort of ability to go in and talk to the business people and understand how their business worked and figure it out. Oh, and, and what I would do is I would get excited about the ways I could make their processes better with technology. And that's that was and so then I would go into a sales meeting because exactly. oh guess what I figured out a way I could make this better for all of you and then I would pitch it because I actually liked it I genuinely enjoyed the idea that I'd come up with and so I wanted to share it with them and well, that, not only that if if you've been to lunch with them if you've had a drink with them mm-hmm. there's a little bit of camaraderie where yep. you now have someone inside the organization who is looking at you with a, a friendly eye right those are the kind of clients. Those kind of clients, I honestly, be- I honestly believe, if I called them today, I could have a nice, I could have a great conversation. I could go up, I could go out to lunch, and and maybe I'd have a shot at landing that client again, even and get them to leave their existing. Possibly, I don't know what their relationships are with them. Like those were really strong connections, but those I feel like takes so much work that it, it not only does it not scale to add other staff, but simply you got other stuff to do. So this would be a great point for an ad read because I have a question that's going to pivot us down the rabbit hole. All right. All right. Very good. Well, let's talk about a way where you can do a little tactical training for yourself at Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That will support this show and then you can sign up for an unbelievable rate. Linux Academy is an entire platform around learning not just Linux but all of the great technologies around it. Labs, hands-on types of labs where you can really get experience which helps with that uh, – not only test anxiety, I was trying not to say performance anxiety because that implies something else, but <laughs> it helps with that performance anxiety when you're actually doing the work. And that's what I think is great about their labs. The instructor mentoring is real human beings. That's pretty sweet. But they have availability planners. We were just talking about how you don't have time. There's not enough time. They have these systems in place where you can go in and tell them how much time you have and courseware can be generated. But on top of that, and I think this is probably if you're an adult – and you've actually managed to get a little bit of grab around like how you spend your time, a little bit of self-control involved here, you can say, let's look at their learning paths. These are a series of courses and content planned by instructors at Linux Academy for specific types of job courses and career tracks. And what I like about these is you can say, all right, self, this is six to seven hours of work, and I can figure out where to fit that in. I can decide when I'm going to make that commitment. And it allows you to really wrap your head around that kind of commitment. And the thing that is sweet about the Linux Academy platform is they realize that there's times where you're going to hit it hard and there's times where you're going, to, you're going to back off a little bit. You're going to wait for time to dedicate yourself. And they have courseware to fill those gaps into. Not, not only are they always updating the stuff you've already learned, so you can always go recheck that and see what's been refreshed. But they have nuggets and they have flashcards and they have shorter tracks that – still allow you to get value out of your Linux Academy subscription. So go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, check them out, learn more, and then sign up. It's getting cold outside. You know it's coming. They call it fall. Go get yourself some education while the leaves are falling. linuxacademy.com slash coders. I just made that up. They can take it, and they can run with it. All right, Mr. Dominic, I'm continuing to look at the links in the show notes and going, that was going to be interesting, but I'm fascinated by where this goes. Well, do you, I mean, we can jump out, but I, I'm, I'm a, this is your last chance because I'm going to put us down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good because right. are, are you, are I, you haven't sure even, I haven't even gotten into the summit that are uh, the uh, the conference that I just went to. So I still have my story to share if All we right. get to it. And it's, 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 I think it's interesting because it is something that I've refined over time. But go ahead, sir. Are you sure you want to take this red pill now? 
I'm ready. I'm brave. And I, you know what? I don't even think I'm in a matrix. So you're going to have to shatter my reality. All right. So <laughs> I have hired over my limited career at least four salespeople. That sounds right. And various like sales agencies. Sure. Yeah. And they have all done either okay or not done super well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Five. I'm told it's five. I, I have a real-time correction from uh, HillaryClinton.com. Yeah, real-time fact checker. Real-time fact check. Here we go. Now, hold on. Our Mike shenanigans is back. I don't know what's going oh, on over there. Oh, I'm putting my hands up. I'm, I'm okay. zipping my pants up, and uh, we are okay. You know, I'll tell you, from my perspective as somebody who's done sales, the only stuff I was really good at selling, both with my clients and with my personal friends and family, was stuff I cared about. Mm. So what I found, and, and that's very different, by the way, in my experience, because I, I don't care about anything. Enthusiasm it, is infectious. People, when you get excited about something, people get like they, well, they can't I, help but get interested. I cannot express how much I love Swift, and that is one hundred percent not sincere. I mean, totally sincere. Um, no, I think it comes I across have, from time to time when you get excited about something. I could tell yeah, sometimes. That's true. That's true. That's true. You know, I what think, I have to, like like. Yeah. Uh, like legitimately, when we when we talk about DigitalOcean, that shit is I do fancy, right? Yeah. I, I legitimately, yeah. There's nothing like spending five dollars for a yeah. server and then reselling it. Wrong. And the, and, I mean, and the fact that yeah, crazy. right. The markup is the markup is fantastic if you want to do so because people will pay ridiculous amounts and you're paying five bucks. And they have they even have an infrastructure that makes that even legit. Like if you later want to transfer to them, but yeah. this isn't okay. Okay, all right. Use the promo code Coder Digital. This is our ad. <laughs> Damn it, Mike. All right, because then we're just going to open the floor. It. Yeah, yeah, okay. So just, uh, just because yeah. this is an example. This is like part ad, part content right now. This is We're going to do what's called a native ad. Um, <clears throat> get ready. So honestly, one of the things that I like a lot about DigitalOcean is the UI. As somebody who had to manage VMware servers and had to use different open source UIs to manage Zen and KVM servers, somebody who actively uses a Proxmox system, none of their interfaces are even 1% as good as DigitalOcean's interface. That's legitimately something I have struggled with for a decade since the days that virtualization was barely a possibility on x86 hardware, I have had to F around with these horrible interfaces. And when I went to go use DigitalOcean and I grokked the entire UI in about 30 seconds, it was fundamentally a game changer for me. Now the fact that I can spin up a system like that when I want to try out some wackadamy thing all of a sudden, it's amazing. Then I move these things into production. I can have my family and my friends use them and know they're going to get outstanding performance. All of that is legitimately exciting. And that's how I'm able to talk about DigitalOcean. And the problem is unless you are actually interested in the product, how do you sell it? And that's why some of these sponsors, they stick around for a long time because A – I'm not using another VPS. I really like this one, and this is – I think it's the entire package that matters. And B, what would I do? What would I, would I jump around all the time and claim, oh, this day I love this VPS, that day I love that VPS? That's ridiculous. That's disingenuous too. That doesn't work. So you got to find, find salespeople who really like the product they're selling, and they understand why it's important and why it's a game changer, and they're able to convey that excitement to the client or to the audience or whoever it is. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code Coder Digital. This is the cell right here. You go over there. You use that promo code. You apply it to your account. You get a ten dollar credit. That usage of the code lets them know you heard about it here. Unless you use that code, they don't really know for sure or not if you've used it. And only if enough of you do it, 
do they continue to support? So use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. Plus, the great thing is that $10 credit, you could run that $5 rig for two months for free. But the thing that I do all the time is I spin up the, uh, I think it's like three cents an hour. It's got two cores. It's got a lot of storage, all SSD backed. Plenty of RAM, and I run it for a few hours while I try something out. And if you use the promo code Coder Digital, you could do a lot of that. You could learn, you can experiment, all of it. DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code Coder Digital and try it out. All right, Mr. Dominic. So that's right. that's let, that's my let thoughts me, let on me sales. Just, uh, let me just extend your DO ad for one second. There is one other beautiful feature of DigitalOcean that we've never mentioned. Bring it, brother. It's an actual server with a static IP address. <laughs> yeah, that's which nice. Adds a lot of uh, easiness to. Hmm, how do you say, DNS routing? I guess. Where other oh yeah cloud hosted platforms yeah. as a service, especially with cause all kinds of issues. Yeah, droplets all over yeah. the world. So droplets right. for days. My point. The, the, so we're done. Dio, you've got your two minute ad. We love you. You knew what this was, Dio. You knew what this was. <laughs> you know what you got into. <laughs> you knew we were never going to leave our closet servers. Chris, do you still have a closet server, by the way? Just one, running Proxmox here in the JB Studios. And it's mostly because we use it for, like, media playback and stuff like that, so it just kind of makes sense. But uh, that's we it now. Have... See, I, I, I may be a... building one in Lady Jupiter in the future, but it won't be Ooh. quite the same thing. Yeah. I have a closet Windows 2003 server. Whoa. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> Anyone who has a closet Windows 2003 server needs a drink and some help in that order. All right. So sales. What I have found hiring salespeople is that when it's not me doing the Don Draper style sale, we quickly become commoditized. What I mean by that is we just become, you know, development as a utility. Some developer who this agency is going to resell their services. Now, that sometimes happens when I do the sale. But it's it's very interesting that when I have a third party or an employee or whatever doing the sales process, those are the only people who find us attractive. And then it's purely a price sale, mm-hmm. which I, I, I would be curious about your experience because I have found that being in a commoditized position is just not the world I want to live in. Like it's really, geez, it's hard, right? I mean, it's it's not just hard, and it's not just demoralizing. But you know, you have an account, and that account will always leave you. And of course, theoretically, any account could leave you at any time for virtually no reason. But the idea that you, if you're hired because you are the cheapest solution, and that's a world, particularly in like 2013, I really lived in. Um, that's real tough because then if there is some college kid who will do the job or some cheaper solution or they're the least bit happy, you have nowhere to go from that. You know, does that, that sort of make sense? It does. And I, I guess what I was kind of reflecting on <clears throat> is this is why I want to go back to I think this is where you have to detach a little bit. And if you do look at spending a little bit of time producing some content that that maybe people that are in absolute research mode would what would would save them some time or would give them insight that then would in, make them inclined to want to come to you for further services that is a process that that at least automatically gener- generates leads and so it allows you to focus on one or two direct sales yourself because you're the best salesman for yourself and your company while you have this other product out there that may slowly be bringing leads in from time to time 
Is that crazy? Mm, it sounds magical to me. <laughs> Maybe. You know, you know, I, I, I don't. Jeez, I don't believe in miracles. I mean, that's the most depressing thing I think I've ever said on this show. But <laughs> I honestly don't. I, I don't believe in it, right? And I've been talking to all kinds of inbound consultants and all kinds of uh, lead gen consultants. And there's this magical thinking around. You know, we have a lot of listeners to the show relative to most. You know, for for any for the majority of podcasts, I would say. Maybe I'm wrong. You could be lying to me. I guess um, websites have a lot of hits and. God damn, conversions suck. Right? Yeah, bad. Yeah, I, real bad. I mean, I mean, really. I know you're trying to sell the Patreon thing on unfiltered and stuff. I can only imagine what your numbers look like. Yeah, it's got to be hurtful. I mean, I can, we have these guides that we, uh, oh, you know, I spent some money and I wrote up these PDF guides and everything. Yeah, I'm still not ahead on those. Yeah, it's it's really like this is. You know, people tell me that outbound sales is dead. Is it dead because it's just not like something you want to do? Or, you know, is it dead because it's really dead? Because I, I, I get the feeling that, and maybe, I mean, please challenge me on this. You, you know, you're a content guy. I'm, I'm really not. I would rather spend, you know, $20 on a, on a high end drink in Manhattan than a couple hundred dollars on some piece of content. Even if that twenty dollars is only going towards one potential client, because the God, I mean, I, I looked at some of the email addresses. It's mostly, it, you know, it's mostly kids in college trying to see if they could get into app development, right? It's like okay, or I'm helping my competitors. I would say are, so. I guess the part that uh, I. I would agree that if you have the contact lined up and the meeting lined up, the the money is much better spent on the drink than it is on right. an advertising buy. I would think that the main the, – the primary issue would be well, – I'm just talking about advertising buys. Let's, let's just be totally clear. That's a whole other ball game I was going to get into in a minute. But I'm just saying developing the content itself. Mm, OK. I guess – see, the part that I would challenge you on is getting that, that initial meeting and lead in the first place. It even leads to the drink. How do you even get that far? Okay. That's interesting, right? So that that that's where we get back into our, and it's probably a great time for your war story about the conference you did or didn't go to. Um, and and maybe I could delve into what was going to be my original topic about why I didn't go to the release notes conference. Okay. So please, yeah, tell okay, us. Oh, sure. So uh, for for about a for about a month now, it's, it's interesting how conferences are run behind the scenes. There's there's I, I really in my sphere in my sphere. There are two different really types. There's community conferences and there's business conferences. And the community conferences, you start chatting maybe six months out and then, you know, a month out, you get a little more serious. And then about a week before it gets real serious. And it's 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 sort of back and forth and sort of vague. And, you know, you kind of see and see see what happens when you get there. We'll just see how it goes. And you kind of just take the plunge and you go. For I'm talking from a business like a one business talking to another entity kind of relationship, not so much from like a fan or community, whatever. Then you get to your professional business-run conferences, like the ones run by the Linux Foundation. So I was contacted by a representative of the Linux Foundation maybe two months ago and had weekly to maybe twice a week emails with this individual right up until the day of the conference. And I've now had a series of emails after the conference too. And it's much more it's much more planned. Uh, two weeks before the conference, we had our meeting times on the calendar for our interviews, and I even knew which room of the conference center it was going to be in. 
that would sound like a good thing. It also tells me from somebody who's gone to a lot of events, it's going to be a boring conference. It's going to be boring. It's going to be very thick on the business, very thick on the platform side, on making revenue, on a, on a, on a, you know, I was like, ugh. So I wasn't totally jazzed up about going to the Open Daylight Summit because I thought it was going to be a very businessy conference run by business for people that want to make money because those are the ones that have enough money to run them well. And I got there and my initial concerns were confirmed when immediately the entire building was themed for this conference, including the inside and outside. Even, even, the, even the escalators had uh, banners on them and the elevator doors had huge stickers on them. Delicious food throughout the entire expo hall. A really well done entire theme, uh, an outdoors camping theme. That included an Airstream trailer, mock campfires, trees, and wood hut displays with LCD televisions embedded in them. And then every presenter even had wood framing across their slides. I mean, we're talking top-notch production here. And I was like, oh, geez, this is going to be awful. And past Chris probably would have immediately regretted being there and, and hated the entire thing and just had to be drugged from thing to thing. But see, now current Chris, he shifts into a different mode. See, he shifts into a mode that is, I'm going to talk to a few people, I'm going to make some business relationships, and then I'm going to go out and enjoy the venue, and then I'm going to come back, get the job done, talk to some people, make a few exchanges, and I'm going to get out of here. Because I actually find there's even incredible value in what sounds like all of this time, you do this huge trip, you travel somewhere, you plan something for two months, you get three more people involved, whatever it takes, and then you end up spending a few hours there, you, you shake a few hands, spend a couple more hours talking to a few people, and you get out of there. What was the point? Well, I ended up in that time making a few great conversations on the side, talking to another uh, individual about a conference that's coming up in the future that I'd like to attend, and now I kind of have an in there. Uh, in the past, it's led to brand new shows on the network, some that have started, some that haven't. Just kind of talking to people individually at being there. There is some value in being there and making these connections. And I just sort of have different modes for different conferences. There's somewhere I go to immerse myself in the conference, and there's, some, there's somewhere I go there, and I'm sort of like a high-level business strategy mode. And so I, w- I was able to turn a conference in the past that would have been, that would have been a real, oh, God, we're going to go do this thing where I can – I barely understand half the stuff these people are talking about because this entire industry is brand new. And some of them have very, very, very hard communication issues, so it's hard to understand what they're saying. Uh, let alone the slides are packed full of information that they just have these unbelievably long URLs on wiki pages to go get more slides. And you could never act. You literally have to take individual pictures of the slides to get the URL. So then you can type it into your keyboard like a monkey to go get their actual information. I mean, there's really thick stuff. And I just would have hated that in the past. But now with this new perspective, I was able to go in there and I was able to kind of grok what they're trying to do, why this is important to them. Then I got a real good handle on the business reason this is important to companies like Cisco and Ericsson and a whole bunch of others and HP others, um, HPE. And then I was able to talk to the people that run the project, people who use the project, get a good handle on stuff. And then I called it good and we got out of there. And we spent one day at a two-day conference, and I think it was the perfect amount where we didn't spend too much money or our time doing something that I didn't really enjoy. And when I got there, I made sure to do things in a way that were actually still managed to be productive. I've given up on the direct sales stuff. I don't even bother with that at conferences anymore unless somehow a conversation were to go that way. I've just – I don't even go there with that in mind. In fact, most conferences, I even forget to bring my cards now. 
Angela brought a whole batch for me, so we were able to give out cards. But most conferences, I forget to even bring business cards because I'm, I'm more interested in in infusing my content and informing my opinion about stuff and maybe getting a little bit of perspective on the way trends are going. And I'm less interested in establishing um, a, you know, a client relationship or something like that. So that, that was – I was able to turn it around. In the past, maybe even a couple of years ago, um, I would have not enjoyed that. But this time around, I was not only was I able to enjoy it, but I actually kind of found the gems in it and uh, kind of walked away with a better understanding of a pretty fast-growing industry. Yes, business cards are still a thing. I know. I had the same thought. <laughs> I hate business cards. In fact, one year, I'm not joking, just to try to stand out, I did individualized sticky notes but I probably didn't look very professional, but I thought it was fun. So I'd, li- I'd like individualize it to each person with our contact information on yeah, there. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not a good idea. Nope. It, uh, no. Yeah. All right. So, wow, there's just a lot there. I know. That's that what like she a, said. Uh, that was like a filet. Min- <laughs> I, I've heard that that's not the case. Oh, um, what? <laughs> rumors are the contrary, my friend. <laughs> Yes, well, you know, this wouldn't be a question for other podcast holds. We, we've seen it all, baby. Huge hands. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm building a wall right now. <laughs> I, I can't talk anymore. Uh, okay. So, see, this is the difference between you and I. You are a fairy princess. You oh. see light and goodness in the world. And I am craven and horrible and transactional in everything I do. I, I would never blindly go to a conference and think that I'm going to close a sale. Right? I have determined. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, okay. Right. All right. I guess I've determined. I'm damn determined to make content out of anything. I suppose. So, so let, let's like open the kimono totally. You know, well, one of the reasons I didn't go to release notes is because I wasn't invited. I actually was going to go as a guest, right? A normal person who paid for it. Sure. Yeah. What's the point in going then? Honestly. <laughs> Where's I mean, the fun of that, you mean? Well, well, not to be totally craven about it, but unless you're invited by somebody who can introduce you to people, you're just like every other schmuck there trying to, you know, hustle. That is a jackass. Oh, Barack, you've been invited everywhere. Don't even, don't even start. Hello, everybody. That's true. He, he has to agree. But seriously, no, no. But yeah, come on, yeah you're right. I mean, no, you know what right. I'm talking about, it's, right? Yeah, yeah. It's one thing to be invited to go to a session or to a conference by somebody and, you know, you, you – even if you're there just as a without a press pass or just as a regular conference attendee, still if someone's there and introduces you to people, you automatically have people to talk to. If you're just there alone, kind of on the make, that's yes. horrible. However, there is perhaps a pressure to perform. You've been invited. Well, there's you've been well, Chris, invited. I mean, because... some of us don't have a performance problem. <laughs> you know what I mean. There's <laughs> yes. an expectation that that you're invited because you have a certain reach or something like that, and so. There's an expectation that there'll be some benefit to them for going to all the hassle. The right. hassle. Okay. The hassle. Well, and let's be let's be brutal, right? The people who are going to invite you to conferences are totally craven as well, right? They are. I mean, how many times do we get emails from a large software company about you know going to their conferences? I would say that it's absolutely a mutual. Uh, you know, it's it's a mutual using kind yeah. of thing, yeah. right? Maybe you know, maybe it's because you do a lot of pot. Is that true? Trying to get you arrested on the air. What are you talking about? What's that got it? What? Pot? What are you talking about? I don't know. I've I've heard stories about you, Chris. A green mist around you. A green I don't know if that I <laughs> just keeping you honest. <laughs> That's not a green mist, it's a green screen. Oh, oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. 
Now, no, the conferences, they're not PodCon. What are you talking about? No, I really think what it is is there's different modes for different conferences. Now, if I had to pay, I mean, the release, the, that was a lot of money. If I had to pay that much for a, for a conference... I don't. I don't think I would be as inclined to be excited about it. So that's right. where that's where it's sort of. And obviously, I mean mercenary, not craven. Craven apparently means cowardly. I thought it meant mercenary, but I think. Oh, okay. Oh no, yeah. you meant so, more mercenary. So, I mean, I mean more transactional, right? So let me ask you a question: mm-hmm. If Twit invited GAB to a conference, would you go? What kind of conference? Well, right. That's my point. Any conference. I mean, what do you want it to be? I would have to be something worth my time. <laughs> that's, that's right because that's uh, if Thoughtbot invited me to a conference to represent Buccaneer, who's going to hire Buccaneer and not Thoughtbot if they can afford Thoughtbot? That's kind of where I'm coming from, right? It puts you in the total commodity position. I'm not saying anything about you. This is you know taking it away from the wow, JB. wow, wow. Was that was that an epic burn? <laughs> I, that- I don't know because. Uh, uh, I'm not quite sure. I don't think so, but I I guess I, mean, I, I follow I, I, your line of thought. Right, like, okay, if if Microsoft invites me to a conference, it's because they would love me to sell Xamarin, right? Like, that would make them so happy. Mm-hmm. Or whatever weird thing they're pushing next week. Um, you know, if Ionic invites me to a conference, there's a reason. Amazon, reason. DigitalOcean doesn't do conferences, to my knowledge. What do you... See, I don't understand, and this is why I didn't go to release this. What would I gain by going, especially that one in particular, where it's just a bunch of people trying to do indie app development, which is kind of a market that's dead? I mean, you, you just can't make that much money on the app store unless you're a big brand and you're a service and you have money and funding and things like that. I mean, look at the sessions, making money in the app store, in-app purchases, app store economy. It's all kind of grim, right? Yeah. I Maybe I'm just too. You know, you part of it is you could say that you know I've been doing apps for so long that I'm a little mad on them, right? I'm a little eh, sure. Well, unless you're a company who needs an app internally, I think you probably ought not to do the app unless you get funding from VCs or angel investors. Sure, sure. But if you invite me to, let's say, you know, Northwest Linux Fest, well, that kind of makes sense because all those people are corporate, right? <laughs> System seventy six, Red Hat. I mean, these are people who have money and are making money and they're healthy businesses. They're not desperately trying to, you know, uh, scrape a living out of rocks, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I think, uh, for the record, I'm going to play this piece right here. I listened to a podcast, uh, a Linux podcast from the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. Oh, Mother, that's a great show. That Linux action. I yeah, love those guys. It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. the best. I think that's the what? best Linux podcast out there. It's the only reason I don't do one is because they're doing it. Oh, now, now what were you saying, Mr. Dominic? What were you saying? <laughs> Listen, and he has an excellent penis. Move <laughs> wow. I mean, it's yeah, I think, Sorry, Q. No, you make a great point. You may, And I think specifically, I think you size that conference up pretty well. Right. I mean, it's – and listen, it's the same reason I don't go to Microsoft conferences, right? Because there is a bunch of – frankly, offshore.net vendors who are on the make. And I, you know, I, I really can't be $40 an hour. I, I just can't do it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, when, uh, when ThoughtBot has conferences and occasionally I'll get an email about them, I'm like, eh. Here's where I think open source ends up making people money is okay. – 
a lot of a lot of folks out there I have I have watched now for years at different conferences and they've slowly built up connections in the community and and now like they've they've become known as somebody that people go to for problems and they get business from that but it's been like this slow burn and I think that's the way people that's the real problem with cracking that particular nut is if you want to if you want to pick up if you want to pick up people at a conference like that you have to already be known when you get there you have to be, or like you said, well, you have that, to be invited. That's my whole point, right? You have to be invited, or you have to be known. I, I, I mean, I guess if you know Taylor Swift walks into a Linux conference, people are going to know her. I don't know why I picked Taylor Swift, but <laughs> I, I, I just like Taylor Swift. What can I say? Yeah, that, and I suppose that's probably true for any community if you establish yourself over a while. Right. I, I honestly do think if you, I guess here's what I would say: one more pitch for the content thing. Is it is it's not going to end your life or your business to try three videos. Just you know, start a video, start a YouTube account, throw some art up there. First of all, no one has offered to sell me one video or three videos. People no, no, want to sell saying, oh. containers. I, I'm just oh, saying. I'm saying make it yourself. Oh, you're just how the hell do you do that? Well, yeah, that does take time. Yeah. Um, but really, I think if you had a couple of quick type videos on a subject that people are interested in right now. Uh, with some with some quick branding, nothing excessive. Um, uh, you may get some residuals from that over time. Uh, I mean, it's, you'd have it, to it, you'd have to crack people what people are searching for. Is Rekai open to freelancing? I mean, that to me that seems like the most obvious solution. You could ask him. I'll ask him. Rekai. <laughs> you know, there's uh, there are. There are a lot of ways to do it because one of the nice things, if you're making it yourself, uh, if you use like capture software I, for your Mac I, or something like that, you could record it and release it. You know, you don't have to release it in a day. You could release small. it over. You could work on it for I three would weeks. Use capture software on my Linux machine because right. Swift is the programming language. Simple of video recorder on Linux is my favorite. Ding me. Your product is content, though. Do you do you maybe think you're overselling content, or am I just underselling content? Am I just saying? No, I'm saying ex- I'm saying you should experiment. Here, the hard part of if you have something to share and you have something people are interested in, the hard part of sharing it is is nailing the nailing it just right because you want some. It all comes down to the title, right. to the tags, how you pitch the entire Colors, video, the outfit you wear if you're in the video. These things are all these are all details, but it's really about figuring out the market. And if you can figure that out, you can kind of you can eventually get the rest there. It's just worth an experiment because – Oh, it is. I mean last time you told me we should experiment, we were in college and it was a little different. But It was fun uh, though. For you. <laughs> oh, OK. Just stroke that's it a, a little bit. That's a whole different show that Donald Trump would not approve of. <laughs> I think uh, – I think – I don't know. I wouldn't say if you have a lot of things on your plate, it's worth experimenting with. But if there was ever CPU cycles that opened up, it's worth poking at the idea of having content created – I mean, I guess you could try outsourcing it too. Uh, it might be worth voicing it yourself or something like that so when people talk to you, they hear the same voice. Here's one of the things that was good for our sales for the client that I worked – so when I, for a long time, before I went off and did my own independent contracting and really kicked off JB, I spent some time producing videos for my employer who was – they were the – they were they established the client and the contract and they sent me out. And I had lots of clients then. And so – as we sort of refocused my work to kind of focus on the higher end client and sales types work, mm-hmm. we had me also pick up a video component where we recorded things like how to use Outlook properly and how to do this or that correctly. Just like um, quick videos that uh, 
the person who knows just enough to be dangerous in the office with IT when they're looking something up, they might come across these videos. And we did get hits from it. But the other thing they're able to do is they were able to use that content in their sales literature to sort of establish themselves as experts on subjects. So they would do mailing lists with links out to that. They would have brochures with them or they would give out USB keys with videos on it that, that back when people oh, didn't mind doing that kind of stuff. Do you know what's really fun? Going to a military base and like dropping USB yeah, keys sure, in yeah. the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a good it. time. Yeah. They, they love that. They, but my point really was it. is it wasn't just the direct referrals from the video. It was the positioning it gave them as a brand. And so there was value in it just from that. But the other thing that was great is if they'd watched the video on like how to fix a problem with Outlook or how to use this interesting Outlook tracker or how to use BCC properly. I mean, this was simple stuff, but how to properly use BCC so you don't reveal email addresses to everybody you're sending it to, that we would solve these trivial but hard problems for them and it would be my face. And then when we would come in for the technical sales meeting, it's that guy in the video. I'm already an expert in their eyes because I just solved a problem for them in Outlook in a video on YouTube. And now all of a sudden I'm sitting across from the table from them telling them this is the right solution for their business. So that was sort of valuable too, even if it didn't – The content content is sort of a – it's a credibility pos- building yeah, exercise. Exactly. It's a positioning piece and it is a – if you do happen to watch it, then when we have that sales meeting, you've already heard my voice. You've already seen my face. Now, how did you measure ROI on that? Well, I don't know because that wasn't my job. But they – you know, I think the yeah, way they did it is they didn't really say we have to get just hits from this. We're going to use it in our brochures. We're going to use it in our mailing list. We're going to use it in our meetings. And so for them, it was it was just part of the marketing – tool set interesting yeah which is hard right that's that's because you can look at the views and be like yeah it's gotten okay it's got 800 views but what does that tell us yeah that's rough but i i think they had enough not only that but after i left and went and did my own independent contracting they it wasn't just a thing they did because i was there they actually moved to a larger office and they dedicated a very nice large space to set up a dedicated studio to continue recording those videos with somebody else um, and they then brought me in later as a as a contractor to help advise them on on working out some of the final details. So they they saw value in it to keep continuing even after I left, and they in fact they even doubled down on it. Interesting. But I would say there are ways to experiment with that without going all in crazy. A couple of screen cap with voiceovers that solve a quick couple of problems for things that people are searching. You put it up on YouTube with a branded YouTube channel for Buccaneer with links back to your site and Twitter account. And you plus, it's also something for the Twitter feed, right? It's content now that you can... Well, 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 let me hit you with this. Why isn't that the business you're in, right? Why don't you just, like, bill people to make them, uh, you know, podcasts and stuff? I suppose if I, if I didn't do... If I only did one show a week, that's probably what I would do. In fact, actually, Uh-oh. as a matter of fact, I don't know if I've never said this before, I don't think, but... There was a short period of time when I first started doing JB full time that I didn't I didn't have as many shows. Is I did uh, I did a series of shows for a food magazine that uh, did interviews with chefs in their kitchens, and so they would have they would have an they would they would have an author as the as the um, host. So it was a different host every week, which was extremely difficult from a production standpoint. And then they would have a different remote get, a guest uh, chef in their kitchen, and I did the back end switching, encoding, posting, all that stuff for them. Um, but you know, I, there, that is some shit work for me. I, first of all, and it, so it didn't really, I mean, it paid okay, but it wasn't really enough. And 
now these days, I legitimately don't – I don't have a spare 10 minutes. So I spend all my time just doing all the shows that I do. But I think about it from time to time. I think also there could have been a period of time where I could have probably helped a lot of radio stations figure out how to get their radio station online live with multiple cameras. Oh, yeah, in your case, I feel like you should have had a, a gold rush. Right? Yeah, there was. These, like, I saw yeah. it, and especially with our local Seattle radio stations because I had a couple right. of ins there, and I knew what they were trying to do. And right. they were, some of them were experimenting with Wirecast at the time, which I was using in production. So, yeah, it, the problem has always been is that I really only have a good – I only have a good ability to do the things I enjoy doing. And if I don't truly enjoy doing it, I, I eventually – I think it's I think it's an ADD thing. Mm. I really it's not like I'm just saying it like oh I can't I can't do things I don't enjoy. I'm saying it's to my detriment. Like there's like pay my pay pay my AMX bill. Guess what I don't enjoy doing. So guess what I never do. Even though I in, I, I intend to pay it every single month, I just don't simply. It's just I it's not something I do because I don't like it. You're aware they charge you more when you don't yeah, pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I get, I'm on top of it now because I got reminders and stuff. But I have you know, to build up a system around. Amex it. has auto pay, right? I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing all this shit out there. Like, <laughs> I do, yeah, I do know that too. It's a long story. Like what I do is I auto pay the minimum, and then I pay them whatever yeah. I prefer to pay. That's what I right? intend to do, but I just haven't yeah. gotten around to it because I got other things to do. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, before this you is wrap my up, problem. My point. Of- my point is that's it. But it comes back when you're when you're passionate about something you want to sell people. That's something to consider. So it's really it, it really you really for you I think this call about this about this particular conference was probably the right one. If you were hoping to go there and make sales, I think you were going to walk away very frustrated. Well, and I think what was going to happen too, and I thought about the sessions and I thought about the things I ended up signing up for was, you know, I was going to go to a lot of dinners and a lot of meetings and a lot of happy hours with guys who I think are crazy, <laughs> right? Like I was gonna be like, dude. Be a consultant. You'll make like double what you make now. What are you, what are you doing? It's time to sell out. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. You could do that too. There's no reason. Yeah, I have been there so, too. Yeah. On the other side, you know, I'm having a hard time shipping my apps because I keep doing consulting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm in the opposite position. I could probably make more money if I did consulting. Right. See, I'm – see, you're a good man. I'm a mercenary. That, that's I don't know. I don't know. I might just be uh, a foolish boar with his head down with tunnel vision for all I know. Well, you do use Arch, but we don't want to – yeah, that's true. I updated right before the show like a maniac. Well, Mr. Dominic. So before we go, uh, oh, oh. I have a little bit of uh, oh. Oh. unfortunate news here. Um, now, I don't know how many of you will know the name, but I think you'll know the name of his software project, uh, Zero MQ. Oh, yeah. Pensions has been uh, fighting cancer since uh, 2010, roughly. Right. And this is all from memory. So if I'm incorrect, please you know correct me in the comments. Unfortunately, it has come back in April. I was uh, informed on Twitter last night, and apparently it is not looking good. So obviously, thoughts and prayers to his family. If you're not familiar with uh, Pieter, he's from Belgium. He's done uh, you know, Zero MQ and a bunch of other open source projects. He's done a lot of writing on open source. He's kind of uh, been really in the community on kind of like – big data or asynchronous questions. I don't, I don't know how to put it and I don't want to misrepresent him obviously in this sort of time because he can't you know, come on and correct me. But he, he's done a lot. He's done a lot of coding, a lot of writing, a lot of things like that and uh, obviously you know, thoughts and prayers and all that kind of stuff uh, to him and his family. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> that reminds us that time is short and so yep. if you've been on the fence about doing something that makes you excited or passionate, it might Let's be worth it. taking the plunge. Just, 
Just do it as somebody, some some wise person probably said once. I'm, I'm not familiar with the phrase. Sounds new to me. Mr. Dominic, where do people want to follow you throughout the week if they want updates from you or maybe even Buccaneers? Instead of, instead of advertising, just go to St. Jude's and donate to Cancer. Oh, that's real nice of you. You know what? I'll, I'll double down on that. So there you go. And uh, let's toss a link in the show notes, too. That'd be a good idea. And I think also his Twitter handle, I came across it today. I'll try to put that in the show notes, too. Yeah. So people can send him some wishes. I like it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Coda Radio. 225 is in the bag. And we'll hope to see you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.